that really in the Bible? You live in a world where everyone has an opinion about the Bible. Of what values are your beliefs if they are not clearly found in the pages of your Bible? The question we must ask is, are your opinions and beliefs really found in the Bible? Well, hello, I'm David Freeman Webb. Is that really in the Bible? <clears throat> I think everybody knows that salvation is by grace through faith in God. You know, it's, it's absolutely true that we don't have to jump through a bunch of hoops in order to make it into the kingdom of God. Salvation, believe it or not, has always been by grace through faith in God. And I think, uh, you know, a lot of religious people think that in the Old Testament that salvation was by works. That God gave these system, these, this law, and that by keeping the law perfectly, you could actually earn your salvation. Now, I actually believe that a lot of religious people think that in the Old Testament that salvation was by works. And it's simply not true. My point is salvation has always, in the Old or in the New Testament, salvation has always been through faith, by grace, through faith in Jesus Christ. You know, I mean, think about it. People that believe that in the Old Testament you were saved by works, I mean, what kind of God do you worship? Do you worship this experimental God, this God that says, oh, I mean, you mean I didn't know that they weren't able to keep that law, and, and I, I thought they could keep it perfectly, and now I'm going to have to go to plan B. I just didn't know that. You know, I mean, do you worship an experimental God? I don't. I believe that salvation has always been through faith, by grace, through faith in God. Let's take a look at a scripture that actually proves this in the Old Testament. Genesis 15 and verse 6 says this. Speaking of Abraham, it says, And he believed in the Lord, that is, Abraham believed in God, and, it, and he counted it to him, that is, God counted it to him, for righteousness. Notice, Abraham believed. And God called him righteous for his faith in God. So my point is that salvation has always been by grace through faith in God. In the Old or in the New Testament. But what if Jesus said that there were some things that could keep us out of the kingdom? In other words, we all know that salvation is by grace through faith in God. We all understand that. But what if... Jesus said, there are some things that you can do that will keep you out of the kingdom. Would you want to know what those things are that can actually keep you out of the kingdom? And again, we understand that salvation is by grace. Well, let's take a look at some of those things that Christ said could keep us out of the kingdom. Okay, uh, Matthew 5 and verse 21. He says, you've heard it said, that it was said by them of old time, you shall not kill. And whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. Now let me digress a little bit and explain something here. The word kill, the correct translation is, you've heard it said of old times, you shall not murder. 
Now, there's a big difference between killing and murder. Murder is premeditated, okay? Murder is what O.J. did, okay? <laughs> let's just, let, let, let's not kid ourselves, okay? Let's not kid ourselves. I know the court said that, but, but you know, the courts were wrong. But um, murder is premeditated. Murder is out of anger and hatred and rage that you decide you want someone dead, that you want to murder them. Murder is premeditated. However, killing... Killing in wartime, killing in self-defense, killing in the sense of the death penalty. There's nothing wrong with that. So I just want to mention that to you. That there's a big difference between killing and murder. What this verse is talking about is murder. You've heard it said of them of old time, you shall not murder. But I say to you, whosoever shall Murder shall be in danger of the judgment. Okay. Now let's continue on. But I say to you that whosoever is angry, this is verse 22, with his brother without a call shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say, you fool, shall be in danger of hell fire. Now I mentioned... What if Jesus said that there are some things that can keep you out of the kingdom? Well, here's one of them. Whoever is angry with his brother without a cause and wishes they were dead, whoever says, you fool, shall be in danger of, Jesus said, hellfire. Now, does this mean that if you see a person acting like a fool, that it's wrong to say that person's acting like a fool. No. No, what this is talking about is when you have such anger and hatred in your heart toward another person, when someone has done you wrong, that you hate that person so much that you wish they were dead. That's, 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 that's what this is talking about. Okay, and you say, you worthless fool. That person is a worthless fool fool. Jesus said, if you do that, you're in danger of hell fire. So there are some things that Jesus said that if you do, you're not going to make it into the kingdom of God. Now again, salvation is by grace, but this kind of anger, okay, this kind of anger that leads to hatred toward another human being can keep you out of the kingdom of God. But whosoever shall say, you fools, shall be in danger of hell fire. You see, now this is the point I want to make. It's the most natural thing in the world when someone has done you wrong to hold a grudge, to be angry, to have hatred in your heart. It's the most natural thing in the world when someone has done you wrong to hold the to harbor thoughts of resentment hostility anger and hatred toward that person but Jesus comes along and says I don't want you to do that in other words what Christ calls us to do is is what I call unnatural acts the most natural thing is to have the anger and hatred but Jesus comes along and says I don't want you to do that what Christ calls us to do as Christians is to do not what comes natural but to perform unnatural acts. Now this is enough to blow your mind right here when you think about it. 
Well, let's continue on. Again, we're asking the question, are there things that can keep us? Did Jesus say that there are things that can keep us out of the kingdom? We understand salvation is by grace, but are there things that can keep us out of the kingdom? And let's take a look at this one. Matthew 5 and verse 27. You've heard it said of them of old time, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that whosoever looks on a woman to lust after her has committed adultery with her already in his heart. Wow. You mean undressing a woman in my mind? You know, a woman is not my wife. Uh, I'm not talking about my wife, but, but you mean undressing a woman in my mind is considered adultery? You mean looking at pornography is considered, you know, these kinds of people are not going to be in the kingdom of God? Whoever does this? Yeah, that's, 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 that's exactly what it's saying. That's exactly what it's saying. Now, I've met a lot of so-called Christians where the words of Jesus didn't just, it didn't have any authority in their life. In other words, what Christ said in other words, they base their decisions on society. Society is a greater authority. And because we live in a society that allows pornography, it's not a law against pornography, not really. It's part of our society. It's out there on the internet. And so a lot, I've met a lot of Christians that because it's allowed, because there's not laws against it in our land, they assume, well, it must be okay. If it weren't okay, God wouldn't allow it. In other words, the words of Jesus is not their greater authority. Society is their greater authority. Yeah. So, let's say it's okay for me to go to Hooters and have this wait waitress who is exposing her breast and her thigh. You know, it's okay for me to do that, right? I mean, there's no law against Hooters, and after all, there's, there's, it's got... They've got good food. Well, the question is, what are you thinking about as a man when you go there? That's the real question. Are you undressing this woman in your mind when you go there? Well, let's take a look at what Jesus said if you are doing that. Matthew 29, 5 and verse 29. And if your right eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee. For it is profitable for thee that one of your members should perish and not that your whole body should be cast into hell. Now, I'm asking the question. Did Jesus say there are things that we can do that will keep us, things that we can do that will actually keep us out of the kingdom of God? Well, let's continue on. Verse, verse 30. And if your right hand offend thee, cut it off and cast it from thee. For it is profitable for thee that one of your members should perish and not that your whole body should be cast into hell. Okay, I want to make a point here, and that is the Bible is not always to be taken literally. If, you, if I were to ask you, give you a Bible test here and say, show me one place in the Bible where Jesus did not mean to actually do something, to literally do something, this is the scripture. In other words, it's not going to do you a bit of good to go out and gouge out your eyes and cut off your hands. That's not the problem. The problem is your mind. The problem is what's going on between the ears. You really want to solve this problem, cut off your head. That will solve your whole, you know, all of the lust of the flesh and everything. Just cut off your head and you won't have to worry about that anymore. But I'm just kidding. 
Uh, in other words, what Jesus is saying is, the reason I say the Bible in this sense is not to be taken literally is because what Jesus is saying is cut out the things that are causing you to lust. If going to a particular restaurant causes you to lust, if going to particular places, movies, if internet pornography, if you've got access to that, get rid of the computer. Do whatever, cut out the things of, of your, in your life that is causing you to fall short, that is causing you to sin against God. That's, this is what Jesus is saying. Now again, salvation is by grace. But this kind of lust can keep you out of the kingdom. Again, we're asking the question, did Jesus say there are things that can keep us out of the kingdom? Well, okay, we've just gone through two already. This kind of lust, undressing a woman in your mind, and anger to the point of hatred toward another person. These things can keep you out of the kingdom. Okay? Now, my point is, now, let, let me make a point here. The most natural thing in the world for a man to do when he sees a beautiful woman is to allow his mind to go down channels that he, sh he shouldn't be taking his mind, okay? The most natural thing to do is to lust and to think wrong thoughts. That's, that comes natural. And yet Christ comes along and says, I don't want you to do what comes natural. I want you to do something that is totally unnatural. I don't want you to take your minds down those thoughts. When someone does you wrong, hurts you, I don't want you to take your mind down those thoughts of anger and hatred and revenge. When you see a beautiful woman, I don't want you to take your, I want you to do what, not what comes natural, but I want you to perform unnatural acts. It's incredible when you think about what God requires of us, what Christ requires of a Christian. Well, let's continue on in uh, Matthew 6 and verse 1. Let's look at some more examples here. He says, take heed that you do not your alms before men. men. And he's talking about giving here. That is, when you give, to be seen of them. Otherwise, you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Verse 2, therefore, when you do your alms, that is, when you do your giving, do not sound a trump before thee, as the hypocrites do in the synagogue and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. This is a fascinating scripture. I imagine some of the Pharisees, when they gave their money into the temple, uh, you know, they actually had someone go along behind him and, and blow a horn. And then here's this self-righteous person dropping in coins, gold coins or whatever. He says, don't do it. Don't do your giving to be seen of men. Now, in our society, this happens all the time. I mean, they make plaques. Of uh, people that have donated hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars, whatever. I mean, they got their name on a plaque or their name on a brick or their name, whatever. You know, I mean, we, we do things to be sent. The, uh, the most natural thing is to want recognition, especially when you give, when you're generous. You want a pat on the back. You want someone to recognize you. That's the most natural thing in the world, to want that recognition. Well, let's notice what Jesus says here in uh, Matthew 6 and verse 3. But you, when you do your giving, let not your left hand know what your right hand does. 
that your alms may be in secret, and your Father, which sees in secret, shall reward thee openly. It's between you and God. When you give, it's between you and God. No one else has to know about it. Okay? God calls us to do not what comes natural, but unnatural acts. I mean, this is fascinating when you think about it, when you're able to wrap your mind around this. Now, I've met people that said they have a, a natural attraction toward a member of the same sex. You know, they say, well, I just can't help myself because I've got this natural uh, attraction toward this member, this, this another man or another woman or whatever, and I can't help myself. And yet, Christ comes along and says, look, I don't want you to do what comes natural. I don't want you to, because, I mean, any dead fish can float downstream. You know, if it feels good, do it. No, Christ says, I don't want you to do that. I want you to do what doesn't. I want you to perform unnatural acts. And when you think about, I mean, as far as the gay community is, is concerned, if you just follow what comes natural, if you just follow this natural attraction toward another member of the same sex, well, eventually you're talking about the extinction of the, the whole gay community because they can't reproduce themselves. I mean, they can't reproduce. So where does this natural attraction leave, leave when it, where does this natural attraction leave you? Well, it leaves you dead eventually. And we need to take that in consideration. You can't just follow what comes natural, especially if you're a Christian. If you're a Christian, Christ says, I don't want you to do what comes natural. I want you to perform unnatural acts. Continuing on, Matthew 6 and verse 5. Jesus talks about a lot of subjects here. And he talks a lot of, about a lot of religious subjects here. He said, now look, when you pray, you shall not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogue and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. I'm telling you, it's the most natural thing to want to look spiritual. I've seen preachers dress spiritual and clothing and garb, and they talk spiritual. You know, well, I, Jesus said, they, they, you know, they, 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 all this nonsense. I mean, they, they have a spiritual way of talking. But, and so there's, an, there's this natural inclination to want to look spiritual. For, for others to look at you and say, wow, what a spiritual guy that is. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. You know, that's why, and, and you know, that's why on this program, I don't pray on this program. Why? Because I realize I've got thousands of people watching me. And I don't want, you know, I don't screw my face up like a prune and get, oh, Lord Jesus, I'm just praying. You know, and my makeup, of course, I don't wear makeup, but if I was a woman, you know, mascara start running down and, you know, just crying to the Lord and praying on, pub, praying on TV. I don't do that on this program. Uh, I, I don't, you know, I don't. Praying on a football field with, with 10 million people watching you uh, uh, on a Super Bowl weekend or whatever. You know, I mean, what's that all about? Why would you do that? You know, why, why would you do this? You know, 
God, but God, you see, God calls us to do not what comes natural. The most natural thing in the world is to want to look spiritual, to be praying in public and praying in restaurants and holding hands and praying out loud. And, you know, that's, that's natural, okay? But God comes along and says, I don't want you to do that. I want you to do not what comes natural, but I want you to perform unnatural acts. And notice what Jesus says. But you, when you pray, that, yeah, that's you, okay? Enter into your closet, and when you have shut the door, pray to your Father in secret. And your Father, which sees in secret, shall reward thee openly. Now, I'm not saying you can't pray in church, and because churches can be, you know, church can be public, and you know, opening and closing prayer. We have open and closing prayer at our church, and I'm not saying you can't do that. But, you know, when it comes to national television, where there's hundreds of thousands of people watching you, I just think you ought to keep your prayer in your private life in those areas. I don't, I mean, why would you do it to be seen of men? I mean, it's nothing, you know. But anyway, that's just what I, the way I view it. I, mean, I just think a lot of these people have got a, a lot, big, huge ego, and they just want to be seen of men to, seem, to look spiritual. Yeah. Now again, salvation is by grace. But there are things that Jesus said that can keep you out of the kingdom. Don't misunderstand this. There are things that can keep you out of the kingdom of God. I want to look at this verse, Romans 8 and verse 12. It says, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh, now, what's that talking about? In other words, you, you're not in debt to just live after what comes natural. You know, well, if it feels good, I'm going to do it, and just whatever comes my way, and you know, I can't help myself. And I got this attraction toward this other person over here. I can't help myself. You know, now I'm just going to do what comes natural. No, he says you're not in debt to do to the flesh, to do just whatever comes natural. Any dead carp can float downstream. Now, verse. Uh, 13 says, for if you, if you live after the flesh, what comes natural, you're going to die. Yeah. Yeah, that's what the Bible says. If you just live after the flesh, doing whatever comes natural, here's the bad news. You can do that, and, and, and I suppose maybe, well, I don't even know if you can have a good time doing that or not. Because a lot of things that comes natural, that just that they're downright wrong. Especially when you get involved in addictions and sins and things you can't control. You're out of control, you know. But it says, if you live after the flesh, what comes natural, you're going to die. But if you, yes you, through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. In other words, if you put to death that old man, what comes natural. And there's only one way to do this, and that is by the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit of God. I want to offer you something here entitled, Why You Need the Holy Spirit. There is nothing more crucial here. I mean, if, if you're going to live your life catering to what comes natural and always giving in and always doing whatever, you know, if it feels good, do it. And, you know, you're going to die. And there's only one way to overcome that. There's only one way to do, to, as the Bible says, to put to death the old man, to mortify, which means put to death, the deeds of the body. And that is 
through the Spirit. If you, through the Spirit, put to death the deeds of the body, you shall live. And this publication is why you need the Holy Spirit of God. And it will tell you how to receive the Spirit of God. There is a way to receive the Holy Spirit of God. And chances are, if you've been in church 40 years, you've never been told the way to receive the Holy Spirit of God. It's the most crucial issue in your life. And I don't care if you've been in church, you know, you go to church six days a week and twice on Sunday. I don't care if you were born religious. I don't care if your parents were religious or whatever. You need to order this material, why you need the Spirit of God, because it will tell you how to receive the Spirit of God. And if any man have not the Spirit, he is none of his. This is critical information. Order this, get off of your chair and write this address down at the end of this program. I'll send this to you free of charge, how to receive the Spirit of God. Because I mean, after all, what are you gonna do about that addiction? What are you gonna be, do about that thing you can't seem to conquer or get the victory over? There's only one way to perform these unnatural acts that Christ demands of us. I mean, Christ comes along and says, look, you know, you've heard it said of old times, you know, don't commit adultery. But I say that if you're, if you're undressing a woman in your mind, you've already committed adultery with her. And like I said, that's the most natural thing in the world for a man to do. Well, where do you get the power to conquer that? Where do you get the power to overcome those lusts of the flesh? Someone's done you wrong, you know. Where do you get the power to think right and not to want, want resentment and anger and hatred and to get even with that person? How, where do you get the power to do the right thing? It is through the Holy Spirit of God. I'll send that publication to you free of charge. You need the Holy Spirit of God. And without it, you are incomplete. Absolutely. You were born incomplete, by the way. You know, that's some, that nagging feeling in you that something is missing, the reason you feel like something's missing is because something's missing. It's called the Holy Spirit of God. And there's a way to receive it. And this publication will tell you how. So you need the Holy Spirit of God. And that's what's really in your Bible. Is it possible for you to change a desire that you know is wrong? Is it even possible to change the man or woman in the mirror? And if so, how? Are we simply stuck with our emotions, feelings, bad habits, with no hope of ever rising above them? Your Bible says God gives His Holy Spirit to them that obey Him, which means change is possible. Learn the step-by-step -step process for receiving the Spirit of God. Order your two free magazines, Why You Need the Spirit of God and Should You Be Baptized. Having the Spirit of God makes the impossible possible. Order by writing to Church of God, Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. That's Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. Also, check us out on the web at isthatreallyinthebible.com.